0: Just slip up our hands and give him praise this morning Father we thank you that you are our way maker God you are a miracle worker God even when we cannot see it you are there and God you are here you are working you are moving we worship you Jesus this morning come on just begin to worship him begin to praise him we bless your holy name this morning God for you are faithful you are good you are merciful your mercy it does not change but it's from generation to generation from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same your name is to be exalted your name is to be praised you are high you are lifted up you are exalted father you still part red seas you still move mountains God we look to the rock that is higher than I. We look to the hills from where our help it comes from. This morning, Father, we look to you. We bless you this morning. We praise your holy name. We praise your holy name. Church, sometimes when we can't stand on our own two feet, we don't have to. We understand that we stand on a rock that's higher than I and when all else gives way when all else fails when all else feels like sinking stand. remember we're not standing on a rock We're we're not standing on our own two feet we are standing on a rock that is a sure foundation a cornerstone, the chief cornerstone in which everything is built His word is yea and amen His word is steadfast and we can stand upon Him this morning Father we just bless your holy name we praise you, and we thank you that your spirit is here. God, the scripture says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. We thank you that freedom is in this house this morning. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Go ahead and give God one more shout of praise this morning. I'm
1: on a little bit.
0: Down. Come on, let's thank our worship team for leading us into the presence of God as well. So thankful for all of our uh, temple worship department and their investment into our church family. Um, I'm just so thankful. If you got your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter one. Stay standing um, with me. Today my wife is over here, she came to the early service with us this morning and she's got our our baby, so I'm gonna go grab her real quick, uh, just because she's normally in the 1045 service, so I'm gonna take a moment to show her off while I can, right, just so everybody can. She's still in her pajamas, look, she got ripped right out of bed, and so uh, this is Sela Sela is turning one year on September 13th, so she is... With us and so um, thankful for that. Maria is here with me this morning. She's going to uh, um, right after this service, um, my father-in-law is getting discharged from inpatient rehab, and so we're just so thankful. So thankful for God's goodness and His grace. Amen. God is good. God is good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, it's not man's word, right? Who said this? God said, remember that. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Pastor, praise that prayer every time we go out fishing. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. I kid you not. (laughs) He said, God, you gave us dominion, so put these fish in my boat. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Jump down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good. All the other days of creation it was just good. But on this day of creation he says it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning The sixth day. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that your word will give us life today. God, as we seek to be reconciled and restored back to Genesis 1-2 before the fall, right relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today we start a new series entitled Better Together, and over the next four weeks we're going to look at different aspects of how we are literally, we're better together. Jesus Prayed, and he desired a church and a people in unity. Right? He didn't desire for there to be factions and divisions. He desired a people in unity. He he prayed that they may be one, as you and I, Father, are one. And so, this is actually it's our underlying theme for E groups this fall: better together, because we truly believe that life is done better in community. You look at those who struggle in life. It's those that don't have or they run from godly community. I cannot stress it enough that we need, right, we need godly community in our lives. Discipleship, spiritual growth happens best in the context of life-giving Community, And we have to disciple this the, uh, the, the churches, but this world as well. That's what Jesus said. Go make disciples. And if you look at the world around us, it is as biblically illiterate as it has ever been. And so we've got to be committed to discipleship and spiritual growth as a church. So I want to encourage you to go and sign up today. Amen. And just because you have community doesn't make it godly either. Just because people get together doesn't always, because people can find community amongst their craziness and life and then think they're normal. Have you ever seen that? Like people, they, you take one crazy person, you put them with another crazy person, they're like, now we're normal. No, you got two crazy people, right? You just doubled the amount of the insanity. And so here are a couple of things that people find a little bit of crazy community in our world before we get going. Number one, um, mud festivals in South Korea. People travel from all over the world to literally go play in the mud. Not my type of gathering, right? There's some crazy community. Next one, um, the Air Guitar World Championships in Finland. I, I'm not buying a plane ticket, right? I'm not getting a visa. I'm not going anywhere to go and to do Air Guitar World Championships. Next one, I might do this one. The La Tomatina Tomato Fight Festival in Spain. That one looks like some fun. Like grab some tomatoes, pick some people upside the head. Then you have the Monkey Feast Festival where these people, they'll get together and they'll build this huge mountain of fruit and then release monkeys and people come from all over the face of the world. And then the last one that just gets me is Toe Wrestling Championships. That's like a recipe for athlete's foot right there. I'm completely out. How do you even practice for toe wrestling championships? Like Tuesday night, toe wrestling practice, like, hey, babe, can you pick up some bread, milk, and eggs on the way home from toe wrestling practice tonight? People, they have crazy community, and we need to get rid of crazy, and we need to attach ourselves to godly community. Amen? In the last days, people are going to give heed to um, deceptive doctrines. They are going to forsake the assembling. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, don't forsake, so people will do. We've got to link together as the body of Christ because we're better together. Amen? So let's dive into community. And today we're going to start by looking at the family unit, what the Bible has to say about biblical manhood and womanhood. Um, In today's culture, talking about biblical manhood and womanhood can be like taking a stick of dynamite and going into the boat to the middle of the ocean and lighting it, right? Because our culture seeks to oppose everything biblical, especially manhood and womanhood. So in the beginning, God, he creates everything good. God created this world to declare his glory, amen? Psalms 19:1 says that the heavens They declare the glory of God and the sky above it proclaims his handiwork. This world and everything in it exists for one simple purpose and that is for the glory of almighty God. We exist, everything in this world exists so that his name may be glorified. Isaiah 42, eight says, I am the Lord That is my name, my glory, I will give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. What that verse tells us is that God is about his glory. Amen? God is about his glory. And when Satan sought some of that glory, he got struck down like lightning, because God is not going to give his glory to anything else in all of creation. So what would the enemy want to do? He wants to disrupt it. We know that the desire of the enemy is that he comes to bring death and to bring destruction. John 10, 10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sometimes the devil, he wants things to crash and burn, right? We see those situations happen where things crash and burn and it's just utter chaos. But other times, he just wants to bring confusion right? He just wants to bring some ambiguity, where one plus one doesn't equal two anymore, right? Where two plus two doesn't equal four anymore. Well, there's a multiplicity of truths. He seeks to bring ambiguity, and so the enemy seeks to bring confusion and chaos, where God would seek to bring peace and order. First Corinthians 4, 30, 14, 33 says, for God is not a God of confusion. Amen. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God is not a God of confusion, but is the author of peace. Peace is a part of God's nature, or peace is God's nature. And you can go through every day of creation and see where the enemy seeks to bring confusion and disrupt God's created pattern for that day. See, the devil, he sought to make creation the object of worship rather than the creator because he knows that God is after his glory. And so on day one, he would seek to make the sun, the moon, and the stars the object of worship. He would seek to make earth and vegetation. And we see people that worship the earth. We see people that worship animals and fish and sea and everything in it. And then on the last day of creation to disrupt it, the enemy would seek to make ourselves The object of worship rather than the image of the one that we bear. In Genesis 1 and 2 we see the creation of the world and in verse 26 God says let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. See man is the crown jewel of God's creation and this is the only part of creation that was preceded in divine deliberation let us right out of everything in the world that was created only one thing was created in his image only all, all thing was given life but only mankind was given life through his breath everything was created but only one in his image everything was given life but only one thing given life through his bre- breath See, flesh and spirit, heaven and earth, they had to collide for God to ally both things to both worlds and say, therefore, God not only makes mankind, but he expresses himself in mankind. Aren't you thankful that you are a unique expression of the God of the universe? You're not a duplicate. You're not a copy, but you are a unique expression. You bear his image. Everything about you exists to reflect the glory of who he is. He made mankind, but to express himself through mankind. What does it mean to be created in his image? In his likeness, being created in the image, of, the image of God, distinguishes man from all other earthly creation. We are his unique representatives on earth. Not animals, right? Not trees, not mountains, not anything else, but man. Man is his unique representative on the face of the earth the closest term to the image or bearing this representation would be that of ambassadors jesus being the chief ambassador hebrews 1:3 would say he is the radiance jesus is the radiance the glory of god the exact imprint of his nature jesus is the chief ambassador the imprint of his nature which means we also are the imprint of God's nature, his image. And Satan wants nothing more than to destroy that reflection to the world around us. Why is there so much division? Why is there so much chaos? Why is there so much mess in our world? He's seeking to destroy the created image. But I got news for you today. God's image is not being described as being possessed in part or given gradually. Notice we don't grow into the image of God. We don't attain a partial image of God. We don't even have potential image of God. We are the image of God to a lost, and to a hurting, and to a broken world. See, being created in his image is not about ability. It's not about intelligence. It's not about emotion. It's not about aptitude because different people have different measures of those things. It's not about soul or spirit because animals are even referred to with the Hebrew words in the same light. We are created in his image to be his unique representatives, his ambassadors to this world. And as his ambassadors, if we wanna experience the blessing of God, we must live by his creative design. Amen? He said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, and everything on earth. Notice, God created man and then gave man dominion over the earth. The earth was not given dominion over man. God gave man dominion over the earth. It's kind of like the principle of the Sabbath. The Sabbath exists for man, not man for the Sabbath. Dominion meaning authority. Dominion meaning responsibility. Dominion meaning stewardship. We are to be good stewards, amen, of all of the resources that God has given us. We are to be caretakers. Adam and Eve, they were placed into the garden, they were placed onto the earth as caretakers. And on this Labor Day, It's vital to understand this, that before the fall, before sin ever fractured the world, understand this, work and responsibility was given to mankind. Let that sink in. Work and labor were not a result of the fall. God said, have dominion. He gave them a job description, pre-fall, not post-fall. So work is a good thing on this Labor Day weekend. Understand that work is a blessing. We are not meant as humans to be idols. God created you to be a productive member of society, amen? As grandma always said, idle hands are the devil's hands. Idle hands are the devil's hands. God created us for production and productivity and we'll get back there. In a moment, verse twenty-seven says, "So God created man in His image, in the image of God He created him, male and female." We could spend so much time here, and culture has done its best to war against the image of the one that we carry. Carry, but remember this as I preach through this: that God is after His glory. We exist as male and female, in our uniqueness, to bring Him glory. We're going to look at a few different ideas in this thought process, and what you're not going to get from me today is, men, you're responsible for this job description, this list of chores, and women, you're responsible for this job description, and this list of chores. What you are going to see is how God uniquely designed and created the roles of male and female. I want you to think about this. When you read through the teachings of both Jesus and both Paul. Every time they recognize and they reference male and female and their unique roles, guess where they always go to? Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. They never make the fall the normative narrative about life, right? They never make the fall the normal part of life, the normal discussion course of how we should do things, only that which God intended from the very beginning very beginning. So God, when he made male and female in his image, neither one of them were of more value than the other. Neither one of them were more of an image bearer than the other. God does not assign a specific value quotient to male or to female. See, the idea that one is of more value or more importance than the other is ludicrous. And that is not of God, that is of society. And society has assigned value based off of gender, based off of age, based off of race, based off of intelligence. Society is the one assigning value, seeking to disrupt God's created order. When I think through the song that we learned as little kids, red, yellow, black, and white, everyone is precious and of equal value in God's sight. So in terms of value or equality, male and female, both are created equal. God's idea for man and woman is not to compete with one another, but to complete one another. Amen? God's idea, it was not so that there's a competition, but there is a completion and his love and affection are not based differently upon a gender or any other anatomical attribute. We are created equal. An idea of responsibility. Scripture is clear. God gave both shared responsibility in different roles to male and female. And God is not relegating or subjugating a gender in the process of these roles. We know that people, typically they don't like being assigned a role or responsibility in life, right? The moment they are assigned something, they're out. People want to do their own thing. They want to do their own thing the way. And that's what Satan did, which is why he was struck down, because he planted the rebellious seed into the world, which is why so many people seek to buck the God given responsibility. And there are some things that we were created for and some things that we were not intended for on earth, right? Last week, I was out driving at um, the St. John Sound Center and I saw a car and I had to do a double take. It was a Tesla with a trailer hitch. (laughs) It wasn't designed for that, right? There are some things you are created for and some things you aren't created for. A Tesla, a Corvette was not created to attach a U-Haul behind it. There are some things we just can't do, right? Or we just shouldn't do, but then there are times where we have to step up and as a single mom or single dad, you just have to attach the U-Haul to the Tesla and do what has to be done, right? I get it, but in God's created intent, There are certain responsibilities, certain roles that we must carry forth. And so the first area that we're going to look at is that of shared responsibility. Number one, I've already said it, divine image bearer. We exist both for the display of God's glory. Number two, we both exist, male and female, for dominion over the earth. Watch this. In giving and exercising dominion, they were given authority over the face of the earth, not over one another. God never said male has authority over female or female over author, female authority over male. I know you might think, well, let's get to Ephesians five. That's talking about marriage. We're talking about gender right now. And so Adam blesses creation through cultivation and the naming of animals. Eve blesses it by continuing the life of humanity. Eve comes alongside Adam to help him in the mandate to steward creation. And Adam leads in the sense that he is already working with creation before she was created. And so Adam and Eve, they have a shared responsibility with dominion, with stewardship over the face of the earth. The third area of of shared responsibility is human sexuality. Y'all are all ears right now. In Genesis, human sexuality is a blessed function in the creative purpose of God. There are only three things that God blesses in Genesis 1 and 2 and creation. Number one, He blesses the multiplication of animals. Number two, He blesses the multiplication, the fruitfulness of mankind. Number three, He blesses the Sabbath and makes it holy. Those are the only three things that were blessed in the context of Genesis 1 and 2. And so, in human sexuality, children are seen as a blessing all the way throughout Scripture, which means in Genesis 1 and 2, where there's a blessing attached to human reproduction, there, there's, there, there's a blessing in what God intended us to do. Notice in God's charge to mankind in verse 28. They were told to be fruitful and multiply before they were told to have dominion. Both were good, but one preceded the other. What do I take home from that? Our families should never be sacrificed at the cost of our work. One preceded the other. Our families should never be sacrificed on the altar of our Work. There is a created order for a reason and there his desire was for his glory to be perpetuated in every generation And the best possible way for that are healthy homes The best possible way for that are healthy moms and dads that are focused on the roles that God has given them That embrace the role and the ideology of scripture and not that of the world Why do you think the enemy wants to abort the seed of mankind? He will do it through jobs and he will do it through medicine. We've seen it all week long in the news to remove the blessing of Genesis 1 and 2. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church. I'm thankful to be a part of a body that believes in honoring the culture of life. And I encourage you to take note. Because there's so many people that at election time, they will say they believe in life, but you can see reactions all throughout the week of those that did not believe in life. Amen. It's not my body, my choice. My body is the temple of his Holy Spirit. Amen. When in all of creation, when in all of the world's history, has God said, think about yourself before another's life? That's not there. So back to the notes, sexuality is essential for carrying out God's mandate for humanity. The union of man and woman as husband and wife was an inclusive oneness. Human life, unlike the animals, were not instructed to reproduce after its kind, meaning there's only one kind, mankind. They were given one another in a pattern and told to be fruitful and multiply. The proper view, the proper view of the role of the sexes is crucial to God's design and human life and prosperity. When human sexuality is distorted through neglect or abuse, the family suffers as being the image bearers of God's unique image to the world. It detracts from God's Glory, we see this evidence throughout history, where sexuality has been distorted and destroyed. Nations implode. I remember being at uh, Ju, and I was sitting in a um, in an auditorium with about three or four hundred people, and we had a guest lecturer come in from George, I think it was Georgetown, um, and he was giving a speech on sexuality that we were required to go to, and it was one of the most vile things that I had been in and at the end we were, um, um, there was a Q and A that was allowed to take place. And so people asked their questions and I asked my question. I said, sir, if you believe that this is the proper way for mankind in the future, why is it we say that history repeats itself and it does? And we see that those who have embraced this ideology of sexuality and humanism and human self actualization, those that embrace that, why is it that we see those nations implode in culture? And if that is true, why would we seek to embrace that in our own culture for implosion? I thought I was getting kicked out of JU at that point. But he was speechless. I'm 19, 20 years old and I'm just disgusted and the, you could have heard a pin drop in this lecture hall of 300 people and he just looked at me and says, uh, I think we've learned from the past. I said, no, history repeats itself. That's what we believe. Why would we embrace it? Well, I think we're going to do better than that and then moved on to the next question, because church. Egypt, when it embraced it, Israel, when it embraced it, Babylon, when it embraced it, when Greece and Rome, when they embraced an ideology of sexuality that was not centric to the Bible, it caused civilization to implode. And so as America, it is so important that we embrace God's narrative of human sexuality because we could be next. Male. Female, created in his image after his likeness. The disruption of sexuality started from the onset of creation and we see the tension in the seed from Adam to Abraham all the way to Jesus and it was prophesied by God to Eve as a result of the fall. Before this fall, there was only one type of sexuality that was both given and blessed and that was between male and female. There was no trans, bi, or homosexuality. Everything else was against God's created order and I say that with all the love in my heart. I say that with all the love in my heart. The point of Christian reconciliation is to make our lives right back to pre-fall. We cannot make the result of the fall a normative part of life. We cannot make that a normal part of life. The person who is truly after God's glory will spend their time on their needs and reconciliation to the created order of God. Rather than standing on their feet promoting a twisted narrative justification. We've got to stay on our knees before Him and reconcile ourselves back to Him. Next, we'll jump into man's unique role. Jesus, he was a male. He's the model image bearer for man. He was as masculine as you could get, right? He's God and he came in flesh as a male. So that's the picture of masculinity that we need to see, see, not a narrative from Hollywood. Yet Jesus was a man of incredible generosity, self-sacrifice, and servanthood. Man was given the responsibility as the cultivator to work the ground. Man was given the spiritual leadership role. In Genesis 2.16, moral responsibility was given to Adam before Eve even existed. Genesis 2.16, he was given the responsibility of the garden of what you should and should not eat from within the garden. So he was given moral responsibility before Eve ever existed. But when, and then when sin entered the world, even though Eve ate of the fruit first, man was interrogated first, right? God did not go to Eve, God went to Adam. Why would God interrogate man first, especially since Eve ate first? God gave man the primary responsibility for the moral life of the garden and therefore made man the primary accountability one for it all. Meaning, men, we are responsible for the moral climate in today's society. As dad goes, so goes the home, so goes the nation. Men are responsible for the climate of morality in the world that is around us. Why does Satan attack the woman first? Because Satan goes out of the creative order to make woman the guardian of the garden. This messes the created order up, not because woman was more gullible or easily swayed. See, Satan tries to make man silent. Satan tries to make man withdrawn, fearful, and a passive whip. He subjugates him, relegates him, and then goes straight to Eve. And when God, he comes into the garden, he confronts this. In Genesis 3:17. God says, Adam, because you listened to your wife, meaning instead of listening, you should have been leading instead of listening, we should lead. Lead with empathy. Lead with love. Lead with grace. Lead like Jesus with mercy. Real men. They lead in life, they lead at home, they lead at work, they lead in society. A man is not called to sit back, but to step up, to deny themselves and to lead spiritually, to serve selflessly and sacrificially men. They take responsibility, not just for themselves, but for their neighbors. They aren't compelled, they aren't aren't required to give, but they freely give. They serve others as much as they serve themselves. Real men like Jesus, they will lay it all down on the line to rescue those who cannot rescue and help themselves. That's what Jesus did, the picture of masculinity. Next, a woman's unique role. And if the worship team, if y'all get ready to come back. Woman's role is first described as that of a helper. The Hebrew word used in Genesis one and two is Ezer, and is broadly used for Rendering a helper does not imply inferiority to man. Why? Because the same word is used to describe God in Hosea chapter 13, nine, where it describes God as Israel's helper. It's not subjugating or, or diminishing female's place. Eve's creation was prompted by the insufficiency of Adam. He said, it's not good that man lives alone, meaning Adam was insufficient. Adam didn't fully reflect the image of God by himself. He had an inability to fully bear God's creative image. He needed a helper. He needed a helper to especially even to be able to procreate, right? Woman's unique role is that of nurturing. And we see that when women come alongside of man, it makes everything better. Amen? Sometimes a little bit more complicated. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But definitely much, much better. Woman's unique role is that of nurturing. Song of Solomon 6.10 says, Who is this who looks down like the dawn, beautiful as the moon, bright as the sun, awesome as an army with banners? He's describing women at that point. My wife and I, we've been talking about it with Sila's first birthday coming up. And if it was for me, we'd have some Coke and a cake and a couple of pieces of food and that would be it, right? But women, they come in and they bring glory to things. They bring radiance to things. And women are blessed to carry the life of humanity. I want you to think about that. Man's told to go work in the dirt and to lead. Women carry the life of humanity. That is not subjugated. That is not relegated. That is as incredible as it can be to be able to carry the life of humanity, the life of the universe, to bear the fruit of creation forward. This is God allowing his creative order to radiate through woman's life, notice the insufficiency of man, but when woman comes alongside it is then called very good The world's feminist movement has sought to oppose God's world To tell women that you're only of value when you compete on the stage of society But biblical femininity is not a weakness that needs to be overcome or eradicated, but a divine distinction That needs to be nurtured and cherished Nurturing is for every female. Not just those who are married, but single females. Nurture the environment that you're in, right. Moms without children are empty nesters. You're created to be a nurturer, to come alongside and to pour in and to invest in and to nurture the environment that you are in. Moms with children, nurture. Make it your primary responsibility to nurture. Grandmas, nurture. That's what our world needs is a world that is nurtured by godly women and led by godly men. See, the enemy seeks to destroy our created roles. And he does this through helping us find crazy community who believe the lies of the narratives of society. That it's normal. It's normal to neglect that. It's normal to neglect that. It's normal to lead this way. It's normal to embrace this. Why do we need godly community? You can find community out there for everything. The enemy's tactic is to get you off of your role and off of your God-given mission. And we do that by thinking it's normal. Notice God doesn't give a list of do's and don'ts. What we do see are people like Jacob, men in scripture. Then people like that are warriors like King David. Women like Esther. Women like Proverbs 31 woman that is both industrious and a nurturer. Women like Mary. He doesn't give all of these things of you fit one mold and that's it. But he gives the philosophy that we should carry If you would go ahead and stand with me. Ultimately, the call towards mankind is to radiate the glory of God, to be salt, to be light. And he's given us different roles to accomplish his purpose. Men need to embrace their role. Women need to embrace their role. For if we do not embrace our roles, we cannot accomplish his mission and his purpose in the world. Every mission, there's roles attached to it. And if we truly want to be about accomplishing his mission, we've got to carry out our roles. You look at any mission the military would do, if one member of a team fails to accomplish their role, that team goes down the drain. Every role is vital. Every role is important. Every team on a basketball court, team on a football field. When one person bucks the planet, it messes everything up. God's got a mission. He's got great purpose. He's after His glory. And we must embrace our role in His mission. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. enemy does his best to distort manhood and womanhood in our society. We've got to return. We've got to return. God's after our heart. Amen? He's after your heart. He's after your life this morning. And a call for you to come, to bid, to lay it all down before him. If you're in this house this morning and You've been struggling with your identity. You've been struggling with who God has created you and destined you to be, his unique representative on the face of this earth. His heart is for you today and He wants to lead you, He wants to guide you and direct you through every season, every situation. So maybe you've been struggling with the world's ideology. Maybe you've been struggling with some of the sin referenced this morning. Maybe you've been struggling with some of the purpose this morning and you want to surrender and give it to Him. He's calling you home this morning. I want you to just slip up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If you've been struggling with some of these things, amen on anybody else anybody else that's just been you've been struggling with some of the plan and the will and the direction of God hey if you slipped up your hand this morning I want you to come down to the front maybe you've been struggling with sin or some spiritual needs if you slipped up that hand I want you to come down to the front and our prayer team we want to pray with you this morning there are a couple of hands that went up and we want to just pray and believe for God's intervention this morning maybe you have some other things that you just need prayer for these altars are open the worship team's going to sing and lead us in a song real quick but i want us to hone in and focus in on what god has created and grafted us to be come on
1: oh, you can have my heart.
0: too. So come on, let's just take a moment, make an altar where you are, begin to pray. Ask God, male and female alike, just for Him to, uh, to, to help lead you and to guide you to be who He's created you to be.
1: My, full my, and my devotion. speak to me and I'll listen. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything.
0: God, to not accept society's definition of what a real man, a real woman looks like. But Father, we would dig into your word. Know that we've been created equal in your image to bring glory, to bring honor to your name. Help us to radiate, God, in our uniqueness, the glory of who you are. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna read the ironic blessing before I do. Don't forget heart class for all of those who are new here today. E group sign ups out in the lobby. Josh Carter tonight. Also, be praying for Pastor. Let's let's just take a moment. Let's stretch out our hand towards Pastor and believe for good reports this week, Father. We just speak life. We speak health. We speak wholeness over pastor's body, that God, as he goes into these doctor's appointments this week, we thank you that, Father, from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet, Father, there's health, there's life. We rebuke the spirit of infirmity. It has no place, it has no right. In Jesus' name, we declare healing virtue to flow forth in Jesus' name. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God and I will bless them. Be blessed this week. Love you, church family.